0: The Start Your Own Business Podcast. Hear inspiring startup stories and get reliable expert advice on how to start your business and get off to the best possible start. Brought to you by Startup Donut. Helping small businesses succeed.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, bestselling author and host of the award-winning e-commerce master plan podcast. And it's a real privilege to be a part of this brand new podcast, which is packed with practical advice intended to help you to successfully set up a new business and get off to a great start. We want to help you to save time and to save money when starting your business and avoid some of those common pitfalls. This is the Start Your Own Business podcast by Startup Donut in association with the Federation of Small Businesses. And those they are, in fact, two brilliant organizations you can turn to for information when starting or running your own small business, hence why they've put this podcast together for you. Now, throughout the series, we'll be answering key startup questions, and you're also going to be able to learn from some of the most reliable experts of all, that's right, the people who have already done it. They've started their own successful business. We're going to bring you some real life startup stories, including in today's episode, where I'm chatting with the founder of a retail subscription business that's about three years old, and we talk through the highs and the lows, what she's learned, how things changed along the way. We get into a lot of different topics. So sit back, relax, and enjoy learning from our guests. And before we meet her, please do check out the
0: This series of the Start Your Own Business podcast is brought to you by Startup Donut in association with the Federation of Small Businesses.
1: Running your own business is exciting. You've got a great idea, the ambition to succeed, and lots of questions about how you can make your business a success in tough times. That's why the Federation of Small Businesses is behind you every step of the way, whatever your ambitions. FSB is proud to be the leading voice of 5.8 million small businesses and self-employed people like you across the UK, working to promote and protect your interests. With 24-7 legal support, nationwide virtual networking events, market-leading benefits and a powerful voice heard in governments, FSB are by your side so you can get it right from day one. The new startup hub has everything you need to know about starting a business, including business law basics, finance fundamentals and how to secure your first sale. From startup to scale up, start your business journey with FSB. Find out more and download the free startup guide today by visiting fsb.org.uk forward slash start. It's time to introduce our guest, Eve Keke. Eve is the founder of London-based Bundley, which is the UK's first baby clothing rental subscription service. Users can rent bundles of high-quality baby clothes and return them once their child has outgrown them. The clothing is designed to help parents keep pace with their baby's growth from newborn to two years old. As well as saving t- families time and money, reusing baby clothes is, of course, more sustainable. What an awesome idea. Hello, Eve. Hi, Clay. Great to have you here and congrats on starting such a brilliant business. It is both clever and eco-friendly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> How did you end up starting it? What led you to begin?
2: Um, Well I've got much younger siblings there's like an 18 year age gap between me and the youngest so when I was a teenager our home was suddenly full of all this stuff Um, and I think I was quite shocked at how much stuff supposedly was needed for such little people Um, and it felt like they were just constantly outgrowing their clothes, like there would just be uh, mountains and mountains of baby clothes piling up around our home Um, so I think that kind of sparked a little seed of an idea in my head and then I spent a year studying abroad in the US and over there they have a women's wear rental service called Rent the Runway which is like huge my friends and I would all rent dresses for nights out and it was just so so normal over there to rent clothes so when I came back I kind of paired the two things together the rental model with that problem that parents face um, and came up with Bundley.
1: Excellent and when, when did you launch?
2: We launched in 2018. So that was kind of when we did our soft launch pilot stage and have been growing kind of incrementally since then.
1: Okay. And those listening may not know what a soft launch pilot is. It might not be something they've come up against. So what is it and why did you decide to go that way?
2: So a pilot is when you test out a service um, with just a few people. They may be aware they're on a the pilot. They may not. So in my case, I actually put up kind of a landing page of Bundly and um, try to get some people to actually convert in it and join us and subscribe. Um, and those subscribers weren't aware that they were on the pilot, but they were. <laughs> and ultimately, I wanted to get feedback from them and to understand um how they found the service, what they'd want improving, um, and just use that as a feedback tool, really.
1: And when you say subscribe, that's not subscribing to an email list, that's subscribing to the service, so paying you money. Exactly. I suspect there'll be a few light bulbs going off of people going, what? So I don't have to go 100% on day one, I can do a test run. Which it, it, it must. You must have learned a lot from your test run.
2: Yeah, I learned so much. And that's the thing, I think we all think our business has to start off as like the ideal version of it but actually you kind of want to start off with a version that you can just get going super quickly so you can get that feedback as soon as possible Um, because you don't really want to spend all that time creating the dream website the ultimate thing and then putting it out into the world and customers not loving it you want to get that feedback from them at the beginning.
1: And were there some things that surprised you in their feedback and changed your plans?
2: Well one of the things that surprised me was actually a positive thing. I wasn't sure if the clothes that we sent to families would come back completely poo stained and destroyed. <laughs> so that was why I, I started off with the pilots so like that was the main thing I wanted to test out. Um but actually the clothes came back better quality than I'd thought they were going to be. So that was kind of the key thing which made think made me think this can actually work.
1: Because I suppose it's it's quite a big piece of the of the financial structure of your business is how many times you can send that clothing out. So if they come back destroyed every time, then there's there's no reuse going on, is there? It's like one baby, gone.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: And let's go, we've, we started talking about what happened once you launched, but what was life like before you started? Were you doing this on the side of a full-time job? Had you come back from the States and gone, I want to start my own business? What What situation were you in?
2: I'm one of those people who kind of always wanted to start a business. I was just waiting for the right idea that I wanted to pursue. So when I had the idea of renting baby clothes, I wasn't really sure how to move forward with it. I I knew it was something that I thought could work, um, but I wasn't really sure what that first stage would be. So I actually went back to uni um, and did this course called the Masters of Enterprise. Um, So you spend a whole year researching a business idea and effectively validating whether it's going to work or not. So that was a really great place for me to start because renting of clothes, I mean, it's still pretty new in the UK, but back then, It just was not a thing in the UK. Um, So, it was great to have that time to do research, understand how the business model works a bit more and understand what customers are looking for and whether they'd actually try it out.
1: And the result of that year was, this is worth going for it.
2: Yeah, the result was, this is worth going for it. But I was still apprehensive um, and I just got a job. Well, that whole year I'd been working part-time at a startup alongside it um, and they'd offered me a full-time job in a like director role. I mean, <laughs> everyone's a director when there's only three people at a startup. But <laughs> I was like, this is great. Like I'm fresh out of uni and I could be marketing director. Um, so I actually did do that job for a few months. And as I was doing it, I was like, the good things that we're achieving in this, in this company don't feel that great to me because I knew that the effort I was putting into that company could be going towards my own business and kind of making my own vision a reality and so I ended up kind of quitting quite abruptly um, so that I could go and pursue Bundley. but that didn't mean that I stopped work fully I still had to get part-time jobs alongside Bundley for the first kind of like year and a half and so yeah there was a lot of kind of running from one one office to somewhere else to somewhere else felt like i was just like running around london the whole time
1: so i guess that that brings us on quite nicely to the next question of how you funded getting started which i'm guessing is partly having a part-time job at the same time but but that that keeps you fed but i don't expect it buys enough baby clothes to get things up and running at the very least
2: No, exactly. Um, So I applied for different grants. Um, So I was quite lucky actually. My university had um, grants and different schemes available to help businesses coming out of the university. So I was able to get some money through that, which is definitely worthwhile looking into, even if you're not a current student. Um, If you're kind of a recent ish alumni, there may still be pools of funds available to you. So that's one place to look. as a sustainable business, there's also other grants available. Um, so I was on a, uh, an accelerator for low carbon businesses, we've got some grants of funding through that. And then we've also received some grant funding through um, Innovate UK as well. So there's different pools of effectively free money available, which are definitely worth tapping into. Um, and we're only now actually raising like a full round of um, equity investment now.
1: So you kind of, it was the grants and self funding. For that first three years, I think we're on now. And now you've reached the point where it's the is the full equity run,
2: yeah, exactly. Wow,
1: congratulations. Thanks. That's very <laughs> exciting, but not what we're here to talk about. So we're going to leave everyone going, what's I we, not, <laughs> this is not a startup topic. so we're going to go we're going to go back a bit because you mentioned there that um you were on an accelerator, and obviously you had help from from the uni. Which was the the sources of help and advice you found most beneficial?
2: Um, I think if you're looking for an accelerator, which is basically a place that businesses will go to, kind of normally it's to understand their business model a bit more, um, and it normally has like different advisors available to you. Sometimes accelerators are super structured, um, meaning every startup week one has to work on, say, marketing. Week two has to work on finances. And that, to me, just didn't really make sense when all businesses are at different stages and have different things they need to focus on. So the accelerator I was part of was super tailored to each business. And basically, whatever you needed, they'd try and find you someone who could help you with it um, at whatever stage. So I found that really, really helpful. Um, I would say, though, before you look for outside information, um, definitely spend some time thinking to yourself what it is you're hoping to achieve out of starting a business, and what your goals are for the business, why you want to do it, um, where you'd like to see it go, and what success would really look like to you. Because I think once you start getting outside perspectives, Sometimes, and I've heard this from a lot of business founders, you get to a place where there's too many outside perspectives, lots of people advising you completely opposite things, and it's hard to figure out which direction to go in. So I'd say if you're at that beginning part, definitely spend some time working out what you see the future of your business being, and then you can use that to guide you when you are having kind of external advice come in.
1: Yeah, it's such, that's such a good point to make because I'm, um, you know, when you're even when you're you're applying to the grants, you know, you have to tweak and reshape your business a little to fit in for an innovation grant or for the low carbon grant. But then you, so you can get a bit obsessed with the low carbon, a bit obsessed with the innovation, whereas actually the aim is to save, save, um, to more sustainably provide baby clothes. And to save parents money by providing them with a great service, which is actually the core. These other th- it happens to be innovative and it happens to be low carbon. But it, it can be so easy to be taken off track. So I love that piece of advice. And um, how did you work out what legal structure to go for and your, you know, tax registrations and that sort of thing? Did you find them challenging? Were
2: they easy? Um, I think because I'd done like a business degree beforehand, I think I had a bit of understanding. I didn't know it was possible to apply um, to become like a limited company myself. And it's super easy to do. So definitely just do it yourself. (laughs) Because I think it's isn't it like £12 or something and it's just like an online application form. So I think everyone is quite intimidated by that and it is intimidating from the outside but once you actually go to do it it's like 10 questions or something which you'll be more than capable of answering yourself.
1: Yes you you don't have to pay an accountant or a lawyer a couple of thousand.
2: No. And um so yeah we chose a limited company um purely because that fits fit with what we were doing as a business but obviously there's different structures that would be out there for different people and there's so many resources online which can help you figure out which one would be more beneficial and then when it comes to tax as well I kind of figured that out for myself as well because basically I, I guess I'm just a bit stingy and I didn't <laughs> want to pay an accountant until I very much had to and um, so we do all our VAT returns ourselves um, and now we of course, have an accountant for annual returns. But there is a lot that you can actually do yourself. And I think what's also great about being a bit more stingy is that you learn kind of the basics of everything. And then when it comes to hiring someone, you have that basic understanding to ask them the right questions. Because if you go in completely blind, you won't know how to ask the questions that need asking. Um, So I think, yeah, for the first year or so, just teaching yourself all the different parts of the business, just to a basic level, will put you in good stead.
1: It's a great way to learn, like you say, and then you can turn around and say, "Look, you've quoted me this, but I know this only takes me an hour a week to do, so this is insane." <laughs> let's,
2: exactly.
1: let's go back to it at the very least. And I'm guessing you weren't doing the VAT returns and all of that yourself using pen and paper. So, is there a software program um, that you that you found really useful?
2: Yeah, so we use zero. I have tried QuickBooks before as well. Um, so they're just different tools available online. I think they're around £30 a month, um, which are great. I mean, they do pitch themselves as making it super, super easy. Like on, on the adverts for them, they make it seem like, oh, you'll have this done in two minutes. And that's not really <laughs> the case. But I mean, I'm, it's a lot better than pen and paper. <laughs>
1: And a lot cheaper than having to hire someone to do it for you. So, um, it's it's a yeah, I've, you know, my, I started my first business in two thousand and seven. And how the software has come on since then is just I mean, you needed a degree to work the software in two thousand and seven. <laughs> and now you can pretty much do it from a mobile phone. It is phenomenal um how it's come on. So, ok, next then, suppliers. how do because you can't run a business um, even when you're doing your test piece, you've still got to have baby clothes to send out. So how did you work out where to get those baby clothes from?
2: Yeah. So actually, when I was doing that pilot, um, I went to local like high street shops and just bought some clothes that I could pile together and create capsule wardrobes out of and then send out to the families because really... In the pilot, I was just testing out what quality will the clothes come back in. It wasn't about how many reuses can I get out of these clothes? Are they the highest quality at that stage? Once I found out that the clothes actually got returned in great condition, then I knew, okay, the next thing we need to focus on is starting off with amazing quality clothes that we can then send to multiple families and everyone have a great experience with them. Um,
1: And presumably as well, clothes that you haven't paid retail price for. Exactly. <laughs> in the test, it's worth it. You get someone who signs up and says, I want a zero to three month bundle. Brilliant. I'll go and buy some zero to three month on my lunch break and I'll send them to you tomorrow. Perfect. You're not investing in stock that you don't need. But but when it comes to scaling it up, you should be, and I'm sure you were aiming to get a, a, a better price than you would get it in the high street.
2: Yes. So Initially, I'd thought I was going to buy the clothes at wholesale prices. Um, So I was looking at different brands and seeing who's out there, who did the clothes in the style that I wanted. So what I wanted was kind of that Scandinavian cool style, um, really simple colours and patterns, pieces that would be super easy to mix and match and pieces that, every parent's going to like because at that stage we were sending sending out curated bundles for the families and I just found it really hard to find the kind of clothes that I wanted to include at wholesale um so I went to the make it british um fair which used to be held um in London once a year. Obviously not not in the last year. Not um, the moment. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be back. Um, and I met a baby clothing factory there and they specialise in baby clothing. And I was like, okay, got them to quote me some prices um on the day and the prices were actually a lot better than I'd thought it would be Um, I have no fashion background Um, I didn't know anything about like the manufacturing process Um, so having a factory who actually specialised in baby clothes and could bring that expertise um, was great for me and the fact that the cost was actually really reasonable and worked with the price that I eventually wanted to be charging customers Um, that was the route we ended up going down so we created our own range and that's how we kind of started it out
1: that just demonstrates how you've got to be open to other ideas. Because I would have thought, yeah, year one, you're not going to create your own range. You're going to use other people's and maybe year four or five, when you've built up the customer base, it's time to do the own brand. But but it was almost day one, post-test, what are we are going to do? Oh, look, we're creating our own <laughs> range of baby clothes.
2: Yeah. And also in doing that, I've also learned a lot about what makes a good item of clothing and how to make a quality piece that is going to last, which has put us in good stead because now and um, now we actually do work with brands. So we kind of went the opposite way to what I had initially thought we would. Um, but now when we reach out to brands, so we started working them in the past year. Um, and when we reached out to them, firstly, we were able to actually already have a customer base at that point. We were able to kind of give them some information about how the process worked. Um, and also the kind of markets changed and customers are more interested in the idea of rental and therefore brands themselves are also <laughs> thinking, oh, what is this rental thing? Like, how do we get involved in this? And um, So we've been in a much better p- position reaching out to brands this year than we would have been back then. Um, and now we've been able to get some really, really like great brands on board, including like Patagonia, which is just one of my dream brands to be able to rent out.
1: Patagonia is an amazing brand to get in in the first few years. And it, it shows that you're in the, I think you're in the right space in the market. Market because, like I said, they're those huge, you know, trans global brands, they clearly want a piece of the rental market. So, um, so, and I'm guessing what everything you've learned from creating your own designs and sending it out has also enabled you to be in a stronger position talking to them because you can say, well, I don't want that piece because that's not going to work as well for re- reuse because of X, Y, and Z. So, I'm going to pick these pieces from your range. Has that that been something that's been been useful too?
2: Yeah, that's been so, so useful. Um, and also we've learned what customers love to rent. So we know, okay, our customers love joggers. A lot of our customers wear cloth nappies. So we need to have a bit more like nappy room in that area as well. So yeah, from from starting the way we did, we've learned so much. So now when we, when we go to brands, we actually are informed when we're making that buy.
1: And how did you work out how much to charge for the service. Was it uh, picking a number out the air or was there a lot of spreadsheets involved or was it somewhere in between?
2: Yeah, a bit of everything. So um, we've actually raised our price since the beginning, which I know everyone kind of says you can't raise your price. I mean, we've only raised it by like less than £10 a month, but still. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're now £24 a month for our capsule subscription, um, which is all Bundly owned brand. And then we have another tier called the personalised subscription, which is includes the different premium brands, which is £39 a month so we basically looked at all the different costs involved in fulfilling rentals um so that's the clothes um we're not putting the full cost of each garment um towards like the the cost of fulfilling that rental because the garments be worn by multiple families so we basically put um like we basically attribute that cost across different renters. Um, then we need the other fulfillment costs, so costs, um, shipping, costs, returning the garments, the cleaning costs, um, all those different things. Um, and then we need a margin in there as well, which also needs to cover um, our salaries, our rent, marketing costs. And um, so, what was important to me was I wanted to set a price that would actually provide us like a workable margin that would mean that we are actually financially viable. Because I think quite often businesses kind of go in for that growth strategy where they're just like, okay, I'm gonna lose out of my unit economics. I'm not gonna make any money per customer, but I'm gonna grow. And that to <laughs> me just doesn't make any sense. Like I want to I want to have a business that is viable and could sustain itself without external financing in the future if needed. Um so yeah we we worked worked that margin in. Um, And there's lots of templates available online um, where you can do um, margin calculators. So also, if you're a subscription business, um, there's a company called Cratejoy. And on their blog, they have um, a calculator which can help you calculate the price that you should be charging each month. So that's a really good tool.
1: Yeah, Cratejoy have a lot of great content for subscription businesses. So if you're Mm. thinking of one, they're well worth checking out. And what was it that led to you increasing the price? Was it that need to have enough margin?
2: Yeah, exactly. So we hadn't, I hadn't known what the standard like fashion margin was. Um, Apparently it's around 60%, I'm told. (laughs) Um, But then obviously, because we're a rental business, that kind of brings like in different aspects. But yeah, my, one of my advisors was like, now's the time to increase the prices so that you have those good unit economics. to grow with. Um, So, we did that and we grandfathered in customers who'd been on the original pricing. um, So, they were all still happy and new customers had no qualms about it because it's probably what we should have been charging from the beginning.
1: Um, Grandfathered in, could you quickly explain what that is for anyone who hasn't come across that phrase before?
2: Yeah. So, it just means um, that we kept them on the same plan they were on to begin with. So, even though we changed our pricing structure, they still got their original price that they'd signed up for.
1: It's a very nice thing to do and um, quite frankly, saves you a lot of customer service headache. Yeah.
2: (laughs) That's the thing. And especially because we're a subscription, once you have a customer, it's so key to retain that customer and for the sake of a few quid extra a month, I'd rather keep those customers on their original plan, which we had offered them and they were definitely like deserving of, um, than, than yeah, have any hassle with that.
1: And what we haven't yet really talked about is the brand, the marketing and the website that you put together. Has that changed a lot since day one? Are there lessons you've learned that you wish you'd done at the beginning?
2: yeah our first version of the website was so ugly like it literally disgusts me now looking back and I can already tell that our current version will disgust me in a few months as well (laughs) Um, but yeah um, I basically created the website using like Shopify as a platform um, and just like built it out through there Um, and I think that's something as well that can be quite intimidating is starting a website um but now there's so many tool- tools available um to make starting your website super easy um like low code or no code options so you don't actually have to be in there putting html and css in there you can just use kind of like a quick easy kind of design widget to create a website and um, so hopefully that will ease some worries that people have.
1: Um, so, so we're saying you may well hate your website further on. Um, that's fine. So don't try and perfect it straight up. Get up that minimum option that you were talking about earlier to prove the case. And then you'll learn and then you'll iterate.
2: Exactly. And I mean, obviously, if you're putting something online, you want to feel confident in, in it. And in in the moment, you should think it's decent. And hopefully quite good but I can assure you you'll look back in a few months time and be like what was that what was I thinking (laughs) that's but that's great because that shows that you've actually learned about your customer in that space of time and learned what you should be saying and what it should be looking like to appeal more to that customer. Um, So yeah, definitely put something online. You can use um, different tools to understand how customers are interacting with it. So there's a great tool called Hotjar, which basically um, like anonymously records customer interaction with websites. So you can see which path they're clicking on, where are they scrolling to on the page, which bits are they exiting off the page on um, and use that to help you um, refine your website.
1: And on the marketing front, is there, you know, is the marketing you started with the same as the marketing you're doing now? Are there any platforms you wish you'd you'd gone for at the beginning?
2: Um, I think I wish I'd put more more attention towards Instagram. Um, I think at the beginning there was just so much going on, and I I'd be overwhelmed just doing one Instagram post. And also, it feels a bit scary at the beginning putting putting your business out there for like the whole world to see um but I wish I'd yeah done more of that um and we're still growing our Instagram at the moment that's a channel I'm sure we're going to need for the next couple of years at least so if you can see that happening with a channel you might as well get started with it sooner especially a channel where you need more of a following and um, to get more impact from it.
1: We've just said that, you know, you would have you would have built up the Instagram sooner with what you know now. But is there is there any other thing that you would do differently if you were to start your business again today?
2: Well, something that I've realised at the moment is I would hire people faster. At the moment, I'm looking to hire two new people. But I feel like I should have been looking to hire them a few months back. Um, because actually it gets to the point where you have so much going on and you've grown to a stage where yeah you have a lot to do and then the thought of actually having someone new and having to train them up and share all the information with them it it's quite a lot to have to be on top of your to-do list already um so I would have actually hired people earlier on so that they could have helped me build it rather than me kind of building it and then trying to kind of teach them how to do the different processes that I've sorted out and um, so I'd have them yeah more involved and make it more of a like collaborative process.
1: Well, Eve, I don't think you're the only business owner who said they wish they'd hired earlier because there's that fine balance between learning it yourself and then bringing someone on and the timing on that almost always is wrong. Mm-hmm. But look, we've we've covered a lot of ground today and I'm sure many people listening are, are intrigued by your business and your product. So before we say goodbye, could you let the listeners know where they can find out about you and your business, please?
2: Yes, so yeah, we'd love for more parents um, to come and join us at Bundley. So um, we're at Bundley Baby on all social media, and we're Bundley.co.uk. So if you pop over to the website, you can learn more about renting baby clothes. We've got different like sustainable information there. You can see the clothes that you could be renting, um, and yeah, we'd love we'd love for you to join.
1: Excellent. Thanks, Eve. You have shared so much and been so candid. It's been a real pleasure listening to your story and I suspect we've inspired plenty of the listeners. So um, so thanks so much for being on the show.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Well, I thoroughly enjoyed chatting to Eve there and she shared so much tips and advice. Um, I'm sure you've got a lot out of that. The key three things I got out of it was start with the simplest option. Your first attempt, your kind of testing the market doesn't have to be all singing or dancing. It just needs to be enough so that you can learn, is this viable? Is this going to work? Secondly, be prepared to change your plans. You see lots of times in that story, Eve Made big changes to what she thought was going to happen, like raising the prices and that, you know, creating her own baby range when she thought she'd be buying other people's baby products. And then thirdly, Do it yourself initially to learn it, but outsource or hire at the right time. And just be aware, you will almost always think you should have hired earlier. It happens to all of us. Well, you can get the notes from this episode and links to all the juicy free resources we mentioned at startupdonut.co.uk forward slash podcast. And that's donut spelled D-O-N-U-T. So startupdonut.co.uk forward slash podcast. There you'll also find a wealth of guidance and advice and guides to help you launch and grow, including our episode about forming your business, whether to go limited company or not, as we were talking about with Eve earlier. That's episode one, and it's already live for you to listen to right now. As you know, this series is here to hold your hand through setting up and launching your new business. So make sure you tune into our next episode where I'll be talking all things branding with small business branding expert, Liz Mosley. And yes, we'll be talking about naming your business, the logo and much, much more. If you're enjoying the series, please spread the word and tell anyone else you know who's setting up a business right now. Thank you to FSB for making this whole series possible. And don't forget to download their free startup guide. Details coming up in a moment.
0: Running your own business is exciting. You've got a great idea, the ambition to succeed, and lots of questions about how you can make your business a success in tough times. That's why the Federation of Small Businesses is behind you every step of the way, whatever your ambitions. The FSB Startup Hub has everything you need to know about starting a business, including business law basics, finance fundamentals, and how to secure your first sale. From startup to scale up, start your business journey with FSB. Find out more and download a free startup guide today by visiting fsb.org.uk. start